So 13 years ago, a man named Charlie Roberts, Charles Roberts, he was a milk delivery man to an Amish community. The um, locals called him Charlie. That was their nickname for him. But one day, one day he went into a small school house. Very small, one bedroom, one single room, full of kids. And he barricaded himself into this room. Then he pulled out a gun and began shooting. This event left five little girls dead, another five in the hospital. Horrific act by Charlie Roberts, local milk delivery man. But the story gets interesting after that because when he was done with shooting, he turned the gun on himself and then he killed himself. So as they were pulling away his body, as they were pulling away the bodies of these little girls, children of the Amish community, as they were rushing children off to the hospital, the Amish family started doing a very interesting thing. They began forgiving him. In those moments, in those seconds after the event, they began to forgive this man and the horrific event that he caused. It's terrible. But not only did they choose to attack this with a, with a um, habit of forgiveness, they did something else. In those moments, they got up, not clouded by anger, not clouded by a need for vengeance, but with a heart of forgiveness and love, they went to the wife of the man and to his three children. And they didn't go to her and yell and say, how terrible your husband did this, which they would have been justified. But they went to her and they wrapped their arms around her and gave her a hug because they knew that she was hurting as well because she had just lost her husband. And those kids had just lost their father. Even though they could have been angry because they had just lost their own children, they were able to see the situation and see that she, what she needed and the love and the forgiveness that she needed. It's powerful. It's hard to forgive in this way. In today's text, we're going to be looking at Matthew 18. So if you want to pull out your Bibles and pull that out. And while you're searching, I want to give you a little context. I'll give you guys a second. In this text, this whole section is talking about it's kind of the lessons to the church, lessons to the future Christians, lessons for his disciples. And so as we are looking at how to cultivate the life of discipleship, we look to these lessons by the great teacher. In verse 12, it starts in on a parable. This great teacher, he loves starting his stories, his lessons, his great, um, great advice to the rest of the world with parables and stories. So verse 12 says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one wanders away, does he not leave the 99 in search of the one that has gone away? Does he not search tirelessly for that one sheep, climb every mountain, storm every valley in search of that one sheep? 
And then when he finds this sheep, does he not rejoice? Does he pick up the sheep and put him over his shoulders and carry him back into the fold, back into the safety and the care of the good shepherd? Whenever I hear this story, I always assume from my, I, from my Sabbath school teachings is that the good shepherd is Jesus Christ, and we are the lost sheep that have gone away. We have gone astray, which is true. But Matthew adds another layer to this. By placing this story among the lessons to the church, and along with what we are going to learn next, he is also making another claim about the good shepherd giving a dual identity to this good shepherd. Yes, it is Jesus, but it's also someone else. Luke has a version of it being God's forgiveness for our sins, but Matthew gives it as a version of we should forgive each other, that we should be the good shepherd. And we see that especially in the next text with verse 15. Verse 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go tell him his faults between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So does it say to wait for the person to ask for forgiveness when that hurts you? Does it say to stay over here and say, I'm not going to forgive them until they ask for it or until they've learned their lesson? But no, it says, as soon as they have done this sin against you, as soon as they have passed this transgression among you, to go to the person and talk to them. Open communication in order to remedy, to restore your relationship. To go and to wrap your arms around them and show them the love of God. To show them the forgiveness that God has given to us. We are the good shepherds, and we must go out to seek the sheep have gone astray. The word here that is used for to sin against is very interesting. It is, can also be said as transgression. And this term transgression literally means to break apart a relationship. It says to sin against, but when transgression is used, it is a transgression among people. You can have a transgression among countries. You can have a transgression among kingdoms. A transgression among people, individuals, entities. This term of transgression is a broken relationship, a breaking of trust. And forgiveness is the opposite. Forgiveness is when that transgression has occurred, we are going to restore the relationship. It is as well as you are forgetting, you are Freeing the person of your anger and of your vengeance, saying, yes, you deserve this, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to show you love. But it is all in hopes of restoring the relationship. It means that you go and you confront the person. You don't just wait for them to come to you. You confront them head on. Now, for me, I hate, I absolutely hate confrontation. I will avoid it at all costs. Even if I have to just say, excuse me, to get by someone, I will go the long way around just to avoid them, just so I don't have to confront them in any way. So I go through drive throughs and they mess up my order or something, and I'm just like, oh, it's fine. I'll pick it out. It's fine. I don't want to confront anybody. And this especially happened when I was in elementary school. If I got bullied at all, I would ignore it. 
It was this unconscious decision I made where if they bullied me, I just pretend it wasn't happening. Or I would just laugh it off and walk away. But because of that, I lost a lot of friendships. Because I never confronted the problem. I never tried to fix the relationship. And so I just said, well, I guess they don't want to be friends with me anymore. And I walk away. This happened one time where I could not avoid confrontation, no matter how hard I tried. I was at school, and my fellow students, it was a very small school, Adventist school, and they found out that I had some Irish blood in me. Yeah, I was the tallest person in the class. And so they proceeded to call me names like Tall Leprechaun, and that manifested into Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and all these names, and it went on for about a month. And at first, I ignored it. I walked away and said, well, I guess I don't need to hang out with them. But they'd follow me, and they'd keep pestering me over and over and over again. So eventually, I went to my mom. And I looked at her, and I said, they're bullying me at school. They're calling me these names, and I'm ignoring it. I've been just walking away, but nothing's working. And so she sat down, and she looked at me. I think she got it from this text, but she said, I want you to do is to figure out who it is that is starting the bullying. Who is the instigator in this situation? And I want you to go to them alone and tell them exactly how much it's hurting you. Everything you just told me. Go and talk to them. And so I didn't want to do it at first, but eventually I did. The thing is, first I had to learn how to forgive them. Because if I wanted to go to them, not with anger, not with wanting to hurt them because they were hurting me, I had to forgive them first. I had to be able to come to them with a level head, with love in my heart, in order to get them to see the error in their ways and how they were hurting people around them because of their actions. And so then the next day I went to them and I watched as they started in on their bullying and I figured out who it was. This little kid, a year younger than I was, a lot shorter than me because I was very tall. And I went to him when he was by himself. And I looked at him in the eyes and I said, you know, when you say those words, it hurts me. I've gone home crying because of this. When you say those words, you are bullying me. And he had this look of surprise almost on his face. And he just kind of nodded and said, I'm so sorry. And said, it's fine. And he went on. Life continued. We were all good friends again, and all the bullying stopped at that moment. So luckily for me, it was just a simple telling them one time, and then it was done. They realized their mistakes, and we went on, and the relationship was restored. Now the reality is, life is not always that easy. Life is more than kids playing on a playground. And sometimes, when you go to the person and you tell them that they're hurting you or what they're doing is not healthy or right, then they will say, I don't give a care. Or they'll say, no, you're wrong. What I did is fine. I'm doing it. I'm justified. And they keep doing it. And so Jesus knows this, and he continues. So if you look at verse 16, it says, But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if still he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. 
And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Very interesting in this passage. And this is the very first time church is ever mentioned in the Bible. Before that, there was not a church. And here, it is not just a building you come to. It is not just like a facility you're at once a week. For them, church was their community of believers that they were living in. And everything they did when they went to work, when they woke up in the morning, that community around them, that small community, that was their church. That was their life. And so when these issues arise, God is telling us, yes, to forgive. Yes, to let, them, let that anger that you have holding you down, let it go. But it does not say to not have boundaries. It says here that if they keep refusing to treat them like Gentiles and tax collectors. But then the next question is, how does Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? I mean, as he's saying this, Matthew, the tax collector, is sitting right there. So obviously, it's not a, okay, fine, I'm walking away. You don't, you don't want me to friend no more, so I'm just going to leave you over there and whatever. No. It is a setting of boundaries and saying, okay, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let you be there, but I'm still hoping. I'm still reaching out and saying, let's remedy this relationship. Let's have no, no longer have this anger in between us. Let's have healthy relationships together. I forgive you, yes, but I'm going to set boundaries at times. I may need to step back and say we need space, but it is not a definite thing. Jesus calls for tax collectors to be part of his community. Jesus calls for Gentiles, us, to be part of his community. It does not end there. But sometimes boundaries do need to be set, even in our forgiveness. And it is all in hopes, it is all out of love. It is no longer in this, in this anger or this rage or this vengeance we're trying to get. It is all hard, tough love that maybe needs to happen. But this whole response, this whole response is very far-fetched. It's very weird for us because... We as human beings, we are wired to respond. Because of sin and the fall, we have emotions like anger. We have emotions like hurt. And when someone hurts us, our instinct is to respond and to hurt them. So that forgiveness, that steps to forgiveness to be able to say, yes, you hurt me, but I am going to forgive you, is hard. It's not easy for the moment, but it is not heavy. When we forgive someone, it is letting go of that weight. It is letting go of the anger that settles in on our hearts. Because if we don't, there is so many repercussions that happen because of it to our health. When you're holding on to that anger and also in our relationships with other people. But the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of our world. Where the world says, yes, you have the right to exact vengeance on the man that's killed your children. When the world says, yes, you have the right to respond in a way that is angry and hurtful because they deserve it. They did this horrific act and they deserve what they're going to get. God's kingdom says, no, 
you respond with forgiveness and love in hopes that they can grow, in hopes that they can become a better person and learn from their mistakes. The kingdom of God is like the Amish community hugging the woman and saying, it's okay. After that event, she became a part of the family. She became a part of the community. They showed her love, and they, through that, instead of having another enemy, they gained another friend. And the fact is, our biggest example of this, and the only reason we are able to do this, is because we see the forgiveness of God in our lives. First, God forgave us. When Adam and Eve, and they chose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they chose to say, God, we are not going to trust you. We are not going to trust your definition of good. We are going to seize that fruit, and we are going to eat it for ourselves. We are breaking the relationship. We are having a transgression against God. They ate the fruit, and in that moment, we broke trust. And then it continues. Cain killed Abel. Lamech collected wives like property. Noah's day, everyone was so messed up that God had to step in so that we didn't kill ourselves. God had to step in to save us even when we had that transgression. Even when we said, God, we're going to do it on our own. It's okay. We got this. But we don't. And even today, we still mess up. We're humans. It's what we do. Constantly are messing up. We are hurting each other. We are saying things that are not nice. We do things to break trust with people. We break hearts. It's what we do. But God has shown us how to forgive. God has shown us that it is possible. And Jesus did that on the cross. Jesus sat on the cross, and even as we were killing him, even as we were killing God's son, God's child, he was forgiving us. Even though he had to die for our sins, God is forgiving us. God is not holding a grudge against us, but he is saying that I see what happened, but I forgive you, and I just want a right relationship with you. I am seeking a loving relationship with you so that someday we can all be together. Someday we can celebrate in the glory of God and the reckless love that he has for us. And then he asks for us to do the same. He asks for us to treat each other in that same way without a reckless love for one another. Yes, you set good boundaries, Yes, you set boundaries on each other, but it is out of love and hopes of remedying the future and hopes of a, of a healthier relationship. The text continues here. True that I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, you shall be loosed in heaven. Whatever relationships we say we want to turn our backs on here on earth, what happens when you get to heaven? That person that you have turned your back on, that you have held a grudge against. You see them in heaven, are you still going to be mad at them? Are you still going to hold that grudge? Because God loves them. God has forgiven them. God has said they are a child of God and I am bringing them back into the fold. But can we do the same? Can we bring them back into the fold? Can we show them love? The love that God has shown to us. And so, there's teachings by the great teacher, ends with chapter 18, verse 35. 
So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your hearts. We are called to forgive one another. We are called to show the love of God to one another as Christians, as people of God, as members of the kingdom of God. We are called to forgive each other, just as our Heavenly Father has forgiven us. God gave everything to bring us back into the right relationship with him, to forgive us and to fix the relationship. And he calls for us to do the same to whoever we encounter in our church family community.